Hey, I'm Stephen Hovatter, the lead minister at Central Church of Christ in Little Rock, Arkansas. Our goal as a church is to follow Jesus together. So we gather on Sunday mornings for Bible study at 9 a.m. and worship at 10, 15 a.m. And you'd always be welcome to join us. To learn more, go to arcentralchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon. Good morning. Hope you're doing well today, and we are going to move into Proverbs today in just a moment. But before we do, I want to talk just a moment about uh, some things that we're involved in, and it's one of the trickiest things to talk about. We're trying to highlight over the course of the year people that volunteer in different ministries here at Central and to keep those things in front of us. And today I want to say something about advocacy ministries. And as soon as I say that, like the language gets really tricky because we're talking about a whole host of things that uh, many of us are, in, are engaged in in different ways. This is the way that we think about here at Central, all the different partnerships that we have with different people in the city that serve our most vulnerable neighbors. And there are lots of those things. And there are lots of those things, and we're aware, don't make it onto our marker board in the office. Because the truth is, we want to be a community full of people who are all finding different ways of plugging in and serving in our community, finding different ways of engaging, not just with the ministries that are here, like formalized things at Central, but also all the different ways that people are serving the people of Little Rock and North Little Rock and the communities around here. So I'm going to make, I'm going to say a list of things that we know of, that we think of as, as partnerships that we already have at Central. Um, but I also want us to think broadly about the different ways. And you may very well have something that's near and dear to your heart that you're passionate about. And I want to say, if you have a way that you serve your neighbors and you're serving them with the heart of Jesus, and you come to one of those places where you have something on a Thursday night that is that deal and it's your way of service. And there's some church activity that may compete with that. Go do the thing that serves your neighbors. That's OK. All right. And, and we want because we want to be a community that recognizes that a lot of the important stuff about following Jesus together, that mission of ours a lot of those things are things that happen outside of these walls. Amen? Amen? All right, we're going to do some warm-ups before the sermon here, y'all. So we want to just recognize that, and let's call attention to it. These are some of the things that we know that people here are engaged with um, that uh, are ways that sometimes are partnerships with some of those nonprofits or organ other organizations that also uh, they've gathered some other friends from Central to help with that. And sometimes that's a great way that we can serve together. So we're thinking about uh, the work that CASA does. And Thea Sanchez often is the one that's, uh, that's calling our attention to that. River City Ministry does a lot of great work in our community. Josh Searcy has uh, found a niche there and is trying to help us become more engaged in different ways. Ginger helps us keep in touch with Western Hills Elementary and the different things that are going on there. And sometimes we we engage. I know the encouragers class took uh, lunch over there just a couple of, of weeks ago to encourage the teachers that are part of the ministry 
of teaching and educating there at Western, Western Hills. The Longos help us connect with Dorcas House. We have a ministry here in our building across the street, the kids' closet. And I think about the things that Lacey Hines and um, Lizzie Walleter do to help us, you know, make sure that we're serving people. And, and they've got a whole team of people that is engaged in doing that. The Floyds and the work that City Serve does or Sponsors Circle and the Bentleys and others have been engaged in that, that ministry or the fostering work, the Jillos and others that have been a part of the different organizations that serve foster families here in central Arkansas. And I know there are many others, and I just want to hold a little space to acknowledge those things. And if you're at work in one of those ways, hey, keep it up. If we can help you in some way, talk to us about it. Let us, let's have some conversation about that. Maybe that's something that your class or your small group can go with you and serve in some way on, on some day. Um, or if you just want us to be prayerful with you as you think about what it means to engage and, and, and serve your neighbors in some way, we'd love to do that with you. If you will, let's all hold all these things together in prayer. If you're one of those people or, or if you're serving in one of those ministries today, just hear us say thank you. Thank you for that work. Thank you for what it means for you to kind of be an ambassador of the gospel and of central. In, in helping to serve those things. We really appreciate it. It's part of what makes Central special. Let's pray together. God, we're grateful for the spirit of Jesus that calls us into service. We're grateful that just like the Son of Man came to seek and also to serve. God, we pray that you will continue to guide us into ways that we can serve alongside your spirit here in our community, even as we are about the work of seeking and saving the lost too. Father, we pray for our neighbors who are suffering, whether because of broken families, whether because of uh, struggling economics or mental health or, or health, physical health, our neighbors that struggle because of lack of housing, our neighbors that struggle because they're engaged with some kind of addictive stuff. We just know there's much suffering in our city as there are in all communities. And Father, we pray that you would be at work through us and through our other neighbors. Bring relief and healing and hope in all these different ways. We're grateful for the people among us who lead us in that. For the people who... Stand up and have that gift of service and who also say to the rest of us, hey, come alongside with me and serve, serve our neighbors with me in this way. We believe that these things are an honor to the name of your son, Jesus. And it's his honor and your honor, oh, Father, that we want to uh, enhance. We want to bring glory to you and to the son and to the spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The book of Proverbs is vastly underrated. It's one of those things that seems like it's just the fortune cookies that follow the rest of the full meal. The kind of thing that you pull out and crack one open and say, ah, oh, look how clever that is. But the work of Proverbs 
is an invitation to something incredible. It's an incredible gift here in this book. It is, just as it claims to be, a matter of life and death. It's helpful for us when we turn into new parts of the Bible to remember to orient ourselves, just like when you show up in any new place, you got to find the landmarks and find your bearings and figure out where you are. And in any part, if you just crack open your Bible and flip a few pages, or I don't know what the metaphor is to do that on your phone, and you put your finger down on some random page there, you have to find a, figure out where you are. Well, I'm in... I'm in the book of Psalms. Well, okay, what is Psalms like? I'm, I'm in the book of Mark. What kind of book is this that I'm reading? And how is it different from that stuff that I read in Philippians? Good luck figuring out what you're doing if you find yourself in the book of Revelation or some of those strange books. If you're in Song of Songs, for instance, you're having a strange day, but probably a really good one. So good for you. The book of Proverbs challenges us to orient ourselves to what the Spirit might be doing in that book, but also to remember how it relates to the other things that we have. The other kinds of books that we find in Scripture and the whole project that God is at work doing there. I find one of the questions that I want to remind myself of any time I turn into a new book is to say, what is God doing? Now, I want to know what is God doing in this book. But before I get there, I have to ask, what is God doing in all the world? What is God doing in all of Scripture? What is God doing? I was going to say period, but question marks really what I mean. What is God doing? And come back to that sense of what is God's whole project about? And we might describe that in lots of different ways, especially if we're looking in different books. We might find that they orient us in different ways. But especially as we look into Proverbs, I want to remind us that part of what God is doing is God makes life. And when we remember God's whole project in the world, it starts with a gift of life. It's going to end with a returning of life. God makes life. He apparently loves the stuff. He's made it in all kinds of different forms, an unimaginable amount of diversity. He brings it about and seems to be going to great lengths to preserve that life which he has made. God loves Life. That's one of my core convictions. And I see it all over scripture that God loves it when life flourishes and God grieves when life becomes twisted and broken. God is a God who makes life. And it's a good thing to remember when we come into the book of Proverbs, because in Proverbs, we find a book of wisdom and wisdom is a gift from the God of life. That's a good way of thinking about what it is that we find in this book. It's, it's not just a, a bunch of randomly imposed rules. It's not even just nice advice to help you have better Tuesdays. Wisdom is a, a gift from the God of life, the God who makes life, the God who loves life. 
It's something that God readily gives us for the sake of our flourishing. The book of James starts off, and James has something in the New Testament to say about what it means to follow the way of wisdom. And James says, if any one of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. James wants us to know that wisdom is something that God holds and he's ready to generously pour it out on us. Proverbs says the same thing a little bit differently in chapter two, when it invites us in this way, it says, my child, if you accept my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, inclining your heart to understanding, if you indeed cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And then this is Proverbs 2, verse 6. It says, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield. He's a shield to those who walk blamelessly, guarding the paths of justice and preserving the way of his faithful ones. Hear the activity of God in this. God is the great giver. The one who is ready to offer to us wisdom and through wisdom life he is protecting and shielding us with these words he is giving us something that has to do with life the book of proverbs has a lot to say about the relationship of wisdom and life wisdom creates life we're going to read in a few chapters we're going to study that as, as we kind of, if we're, our classes are engaged in studying Proverbs at the same time of these sermons. And some of these things, we're going to have a little bit more time in our class, and some of them will have a little bit more time in the sermon space. But we're going to see at several points along the book that it talks about wisdom as part of the creative force of God, that wisdom was right there at the very beginning moments of creation, that it was part of the work of creating Life, But not only does wisdom create life, it sustains life. It takes the life that already is in the world and it perpetuates it. It gives it the strength to carry on. Wisdom is part of what makes life persist. But it's not just about sustaining life when you have wisdom within you. It's not just sustaining the, your own life. It's not just keeping you alive. It also looks into the world, into the community that you're a part of, and it protects the life that's out there too. It has an interest in its neighbor's life. It has an interest in the life of the community. Wisdom is not just self-seeking life. It's not just telling you how to live so that you get the good stuff but it also makes sure 
that you have a protective spirit about the life that you interact with in the world. And then it takes all that life. And it's not just about making sure that the hearts keep beating and the lungs keep breathing. It takes all that life and develops it and makes it the very best version of life that can be. Wisdom enhances life. It does all of that work of taking what could be a space of death and destruction and desolation and it fills it all with life. The communities in which we live in this broken world are often places of despair. They're often places of darkness and the loss of hope. All the angst that goes into the ways that the brokenness of life harms us. And we're, we're aware of that, right? Aren't we so aware of all the different ways that death seems to be all around in the air? Wisdom is something that God has infused creation with to push back against that. It's something that he stands ready to pour out on those people that ask and seek it, ready to pour out on them so that they can be with him, partners, agents in the force of life in the world. Right there with God. God desires that his people would be with him in the work of creating and sustaining and protecting and enhancing all the life that he's made. God wants there to be people of wisdom. People who are ready to be with him in the work of life. When I think about what that means, what it means to be a community that does that kind of thing, um, I look in this book and it, it shapes it in so many ways. And we might think of all the different steps that start off helping us become People of wisdom, that, that phrase, the beginning of wisdom actually shows up and it shows up with a couple of different things. The most famous is probably the verse in the very first chapter, uh, Proverbs chapter one, verse seven. And in Proverbs one, verse seven, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But it says that fools despise instruction and wisdom. And setting out a choice for us, a choice between being people who just in a fundamental way either say, I will accept the reality that there's some wisdom and knowledge outside of myself and I'm going to find it and seek it. And I have respect that God, the source of knowledge, the source of instruction and wisdom, that God stands outside of myself I have respect for that sense of fear it says reverence for the god that stands outside of me and knows better than i do and that fundamental thing to accept that that there's something called wisdom that lives outside of me that's a really fundamental choice in life Proverbs in many places is going, to be, is going to talk about what it means to be a person that closes yourself off to that concept. That insists that whatever it is that you're doing is the best way to do it. 
that insist that the ideas that you already have in your brain are the best ones that ever were, that insist that you know best. And Proverbs has a lot of different words to describe that person. Most fundamentally, they all mean fool. The beginning of wisdom is to have a reverence and a fear of God. But the beginning of foolishness is to insist that you know better than anybody else and you're going to keep doing it your way no matter what. This is the difference. And once we come to have that fear, once we come to have that reverence, that understanding that we're not finished yet and that we need some more of what God gives us to live well, then we open ourselves up to a different kind of life. I have an old friend, uh, Anna Carter Florence, who was one of my teachers uh, in preaching. She taught me a little game, a little game with the scriptures that I think is so useful sometimes. It's a grammar game. And if you look in the first chapter or the second, the second chapter, the first few verses of the second chapter of Proverbs, I want you to play this game with me. You're going to have to talk. And I know that's uncomfortable for us. She says she helped me learn that one of the best ways to read scripture is to be attentive To who has what verbs? Now, I know a grammar game the first week school is out. Bummer. But I want you to listen to who does what in these first few verses. Just scan them with me. Scan the first five verses. And I want you to tell me What verbs are in there that speak to what Proverbs is asking us to do? What is it asking us to do? Not a rhetorical question, a real question waiting on your answers starting now. Receive. It's a great one. Receive. What else? Treasure. What does that mean? Does it like to really hold it in importance, value it, right? Crave it even. Okay, what else? Huh? Search. Good. What else? Apply. Oh, man, that's good. Yeah? Somebody else have one. Incline. Incline your ear. Lean in and listen, right? Good. I'm not going to leave here today until one of these teenagers says something, so y'all better start working together, Okay. Oh, man, I've got to be somewhere in the afternoon. So, (laughs) y'all, what else? Search. Understand. Man, understanding is more than just reading it once and letting it go, isn't it? Get it deep down in. You guys got one? Remember. Man, you saved everybody. Somebody somebody buy Hayden's lunch today, all right? (laughs) remember, have it in there somewhere that you can come back to it. Cry out for insight, it says at one point in my translation. I love that. I'm not just passively, it would be nice if it came along. 
I understand that I'm desperate for it. I'm crying out for it. Raise your voice for understanding, mine says. What a vivid description, right? You hear all the ways it describes how we come to treasure it, to understand it, to crave it, to beg for it, to raise our voices for it. Do you hear how active it calls us to be in the search for wisdom? We don't just say, well, wisdom's out there somewhere. I hope it comes my way. I hope it's in the cookie that I crack open at the end of my meal. No, wisdom is something that we desperately search for. We beg God for it. We open ourselves to receive it. We dwell on it and reflect on it until it has soaked deep within us. And then the promise that comes after that is what we read in verse six. We come and seek it because we know that the Lord gives wisdom. It is right there for us. Wisdom cries out often in this book. In the first chapter, in verse 20, it says, wisdom cries out in the street. In the square, she raises her voice. At the busiest corner, she's crying out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. And she says, how long, O oh simple ones, O oh naive ones, O oh ones without understanding, right? How long, O oh simple ones, Will you love being simple? How long will you cling with all you are? The lack of understanding. Y'all ever tried to bathe an animal? Or tried to put a cat in a bucket of water? I've got a feisty 50 pound puppy. And I've had to put that dog in the bathtub a time or two. And she does everything she can to get out. Proverbs, I think, would see us see a simple person like that. Wisdom is right there. And you are doing everything you can to stay away from it. And instead, wisdom says, Oh, simple one, come on in. Because what is here is not meant to oppress you. What is here is not meant to uh, hurt you. What is here is meant to bring you to life. Or in the words, and I cannot believe I'm about to say what's going to come out of my mouth. In the words of Arnold Schwarzenegger, Back in 1991, wisdom says, come with me if you want to live. I want to live. I don't, I don't just want to stay alive. I want to live. Don't you? Don't you all together, don't we 
Don't we want to be a community, not just of breathing people, but of living people? Don't we want to be a place where wisdom is being created and sustained, or where life is being created and sustained and protected and enhanced? It said that the glory of God is a human fully alive And maybe that's true for an individual, but I think it's fully true for a community. That it is to God's glory when the people who are called by his name are fully alive. That's the gift of wisdom. And that's the gift of Proverbs. So central... If we're going to be a people who are following Jesus together, Jesus is dripping with wisdom. Then let's be a community that pursues wisdom together. Let's pray together. Oh, giver of all good things, who gives generously to all without finding fault. Oh, you who worked your wisdom into the very creation in which we live. And you who by your very words of scripture have given us a pathway to receiving wisdom. You who by your Holy Spirit have given us a light to be able to understand and grasp your way in the world in every day that we live. Oh God, give us your wisdom. And let it begin with a receptive and open heart in which we crave what you offer us, knowing that what you offer us is very good, that what you offer us is the gift of life. And may you be honored and glorified by how we live your faithful and wise people. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.